We meet today in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 to verse 18. Still talking about justification by faith. What do Christians mean when they claim to know God? As strange as the concept may sound to modern ears, the scriptures speak confidently of our ability to know God intimately. Paul turned to the Galatians' seeming denial of their relationship with God. Though they had met God, their present course of action, which was living by the law instead of living by grace, actually amounted to a sad betrayal of the grace of God. So Paul speaks to them, and he begins by saying, But then, indeed when you did not know God, you saved those which by nature are not God's. You see, Paul here is speaking of the fact that the Galatians had been idolaters. Because to begin with, they did not know God. He describes what they worshipped as idols, vanities, or nothings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, Paul called the idols dumb idols. They were nothing and could say nothing. He is telling the Galatians that idols are not real, and idols cannot make themselves real to those who worship them. They live in utter spiritual darkness. They used to live in utter spiritual darkness. Now, Paul is not excusing them, merely stating the fact of their, but he is merely stating the fact of their wretched condition before they had known the Lord. And is that what they were wanting to go back into? My friend, there is only one God to worship anything else means false worship and even slavery in sin. As Paul explained in chapter 4 verse 1 to verse 7 of Galatians, anyone who has not discovered freedom in Christ actually remains a slave. Galatians 4 verse 9 But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You see, the Galatians had been enslaved, but Paul introduced them to God and he freed them. He freed, God freed them. Now, Paul is surprised that after getting to know God personally, the Galatians would go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual powers of this world. Had they known God personally? If they had known him, that is a wonderful privilege. But that was not only their blessing. God also knew them. And so you are introduced to the word known by God, known by God or known of God. That actually means approved by God, approved of God or to be acknowledged by God. Paul emphasizes here the fact that it is all of grace. God recognizes them as his sons and heirs 
The word for no actually comes from gnosko. Often implies a personal relationship. The knower and the known. The knower knows this one. The known knows the one who knows, you see. God knows them in a saving relationship. You see, when you read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, he will say to those, I know you, unlike what he may say to the other Lord to say, I never knew you. And actually, in this verse, verse 9, the Greek Irish tense, ingressive there, emphasizes the beginning of the action and leaves room for the question about the present. Now, that means they had come to Christ through faith and God had accepted them that way. Most of the believers in the Galatian church were Gentiles. Now that they were Christians, they were turning to the Mosaic law, which is, as Paul says, like going back into the idolatry they came out of. Paul is writing in a way to say that is unthinkable. That is incongruent. Paul's question shows the absurdity of their desire to be slaves again. They were in the process of living the light and liberty of Christianity. For the shadow and slavery of legalism, ritualistic observances, are hiddenist in principle. They are a system of bondage opposed to God's grace. How can anyone want to exchange the robe of Christ's righteousness for the filthy rags of heathenism, for the filthy rags of worshipping idols, Judaism, or any other ism you may think of in the world? That is the thought that is coming here. Galatians 4, verse 10. You observe days and months and seasons and years. Now, there is the Greek present, middle tense there. It actually implies that they were continually observing these things for themselves, for their own benefit. Some of the requirements of the Jews, of Judaism, they observed them simply for their own benefit. They were in the process of launching into legalism and were scrupulously observing with meticulous care, certain rules, with the belief that such practice would gain them merit. This shows the partial success of the legalists, by the way. Anyway, let's observe further. It says, you observe days, meaning that they were observing the Sabbath days. Paul said to the Colossians, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of an holiday, or to of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Colossians 2 verse 16. Then you are also introduced to the months. Months here probably refer to the observance of the new moon practiced by the people of Israel in the times of the kings. The prophets warned them against it. Seasons is a reference to times of feasts. God had given Israel seven feasts, but they all had pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
years of course would refer to the sabbatical years the observance of all these things would put these gentile believers completely back under the mosaic law here paul does not condemn the celebration of the jewish events for he himself kept the sabbath and still traveled to jerusalem for certain festivals actually colossians chapter 2 verse 16 implies so the god honoring festivals were not bad in themselves but when they are used as a way to end salvation or to score points with god they became nothing more than slavery they became nothing more than slavery and that is Paul's point here now today i hear legalists they claim that they keep the mosaic law they want to live by observing the law yet they are keeping only the sabbath day my friend all the law comes in one package including the sabbatical year and the year of jubilee you cannot just keep the sabbath you must even keep the sabbatical year and even the year of jubilee let me hear some of these legalists tell me that they canceled the dates in the sabbatical year or in the year of the jubilee they did not even till they are lent for the whole year because they are observing that rule it comes all of it james in his epistle said for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point he is guilty of all that is a sad story there you see the point is he is guilty of being a law breaker you better keep all of it now the question is who is able to no one can that is the point that is why jesus christ came because you were not able i am not able to keep the law he came as our savior galatians 4 verse 11 i'm afraid for you lest i have labored for you in vain now paul here is saying in a very nice way that he thinks he has wasted his time among them since they have been saved by grace their returning to the law is the same as returning to their former idolatry he reminded them that they had not known god by means of the mosaic law but by faith in christ jesus could it be possible that paul's labor was merely a mirage and not a miracle paul's labor would have been in vain if all that was accomplished was for the galatians to exchange their pagan religion for the old abrogated legalism of the jews turning to legalism is equivalent to rejecting the gospel and renouncing christ paul's admonition to the galatians should be a solemn warning to the christians not to sacrifice their spiritual liberty in christ for the slavery of forms and ceremonies that is why he said i am afraid for you and remember he is speaking on this subject in a very stern manner why because he knows it is a crucial doctrine that is at stake now that moves us actually to a personal section that paul deals with 
especially when you now begin to deal with verse 12 to verse 18. It is a more personal section. It is a polite word that Paul is injecting in this epistle. Galatians 4, verse 12. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. Well, there is become like me. The Galatians had been listening to false teachers, and they were looking upon Paul as an enemy because he had told them the truth. Now, Paul is saying, we are all on the same plane. We are all believers, all in the body of Christ. In view of this, we ought to be very polite to one another. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. Galatians 4 verse 13. Now Paul makes his very personal appeal to them on the basis of his thorn in the flesh. What was that thorn? Let's read on. And my trial which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Galatians 4 verse 14. So Paul here is saying, and my trial which was in my flesh, that means the trial, that means his tribulation. Elsewhere he calls it his thorn in the flesh. When he was there, they treated him politely. Paul will use this experience with them as a point of his appeal, especially now that he is writing to correct them of their error. Listen to him again. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plugged out your own eyes and given them to me. Galatians 4 verse 15. Now, probably Paul's thorn in the flesh was some sort of an eye trouble, and it is evidently made him very unattractive. Now, I cannot conceive of them wanting to pluck out their eyes and give them to Paul, if what he really needed was another leg. Apparently, Paul had had an eye disease, which is common in that land, and it is characterized by excessive pus that runs out of the eye. You can well understand how unattractive that would be to look at while he was ministering to them. Paul said, you just ignored what was happening, and you received me as though I was an angel. You received me wonderfully when I preached the gospel. He again is using his experience to say, if you went through all of this trouble, why are you now abandoning the precious gospel of salvation? He goes on to say, Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? This is a wonderful scripture. Galatians chapter 4 verse 16. Now, on the pulpit, facing the preacher, the words say we would like to see Jesus are written in the Central Baptist Church Harare, where I minister. I believe that there should be another verse on the other side of the pulpit, facing the audience. It is these words of Paul that should be put, actually, also for the congregation to be able to read. 
Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? That will be a quotation from what Paul is talking about here. As you know, many people today really don't want the preacher to tell them the truth from the pulpit. They would rather very much have him say something complimentary that would smooth their feathers and make them feel good. Something that cuddles them, that pampers them along. We all like to have our bags rubbed, don't we? And there is a lot of back rubbing today from the contemporary church, contemporary pulpit, rather than the declaration of the truth. Now Paul was getting to his point to say, Have I now become your enemy because I told you the truth? In other words, you are now embracing false teachers, making me into your enemy. That for Paul is unthinkable. He goes on to say, They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. Galatians 4, verse 17 to verse 18. Now, these verses are more easily understood in the American Standard Version, which says, They zealously seek you in no good way. Nay, they desire to shut you out, that you may seek them. But it is good to be zealously sought in a good matter at all times, and not only when I am present with you. Now, Paul is saying that it is good to seek that which is the very best. But these Judaizers who are coming out, out to you, they are after you in order to scalp you. They want to put you in a scalp on their belt and to be able to say, we were over at Galatia and we had so many converts, which of course would not actually be true. Paul had somewhat the same thing to say even to the Corinthians, giving them a warning. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 to verse 15 says, Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children." And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. You see, this same crowd of Judaizers had gone to Corinth, the crowd that was even spoiling people in Galatia. The Corinthian believers had loved Paul also, and Paul had to warn them of these men. False teachers are often very attractive. And I'm amazed at the very fine presentation the cults can make. See how perfectly they present themselves even on television programs. That is the subtle part of it. Everything is beautiful to look at and those taking part are attractive individuals 
also they present a certain amount of truth. Paul, on the contrary, maybe because of his thorn in the flesh, which we have deemed to be an eye problem, was not that attractive. Has he now become the enemy? And he is writing to give them a warning. Friends, remember that Satan himself often masquerades himself as an angel of light. Remember also that it is not all gold that glitters. So, watch out for false teachers in some of the advanced state-of-the-art presentations in our contemporary culture in the name of the Lord. And they are coming in many forms if they are not preaching the gospel of salvation by faith, the gospel of God's grace. If they are saying anything else, Paul says, they too, let them be accursed. It does not matter how attractive they look. And may God help us to be able to discern and be wise. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.